very few things in life seem certain right now. There just doesn't seem much to cling on to when you've about a one in five chance of finding eggs in the supermarket or when you can't get excited about the next Diamond League meeting you're going to miss because it's scheduled without announcement on a random Tuesday evening when all the other events have been on Thursdays so far. (laughs) My internet even gave up the ghost for a fun half hour during this recording, which is why I say nothing at all for the first half of this interview. It all feels very nebulous and very disorientating. But of the few things you can bank on, there aren't many as comforting as Christian Taylor. He will win the title. He will do so with an enormous sleep and an even bigger smile. And he will find the time to fight for his fellow athletes to benefit from a greater say in the future of their sport. He's one of the very best and he's here with us, Jodie, Bayo, and Claire on the Backstraight Boys and Girl podcast today. Enjoy the episode and let us know your thoughts in all the usual places. Oh, it makes sense. I like exactly. it. Exactly. Clever. Clever. <laughs> I like it. Right, okay. Anyway, my name's Ben Williams and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. A big Backstraight Boys welcome to Christian Taylor. Thanks so much for doing this for us. Absolutely. Great to, to see you guys and, and spend some time. Adam has prepared <laughs> me a little bit for this, so I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's your first... We've interviewed you a number of times Correct. at championships and stuff, but I don't think we've ever, ever had you on on the podcast. So welcome to Backstraight Towers. Thank you. It's funny times, as you know. So we're going to do a little bit of, um, incorporate a little bit of an interview with you, talking about your career and also talking about the world of athletics, what's going on at the moment and what's going on in the future. So let's go back to when the first time that athletics fans may have heard of you um, on the on the international scale. So we're going to go back to 2007 at the World... Wow, roll uh, back. Yeah, the World Youth Championships. Um, course you won gold you've won a gold in the triple jump and a bronze medal in the long jump back then but you're just 17 because your birthday's in june what is it like for an american athlete to travel overseas to a massive um, international competition with athletes from all over the world uh, to be honest it's um actually very unknown this is really an outlier in in track and fields in high school uh, you know at our secondary school um it's it's not very popular. What you do in the state and what you do regionally is is known, but when it comes mm. to international competition, it's just unheard of. You know, in the summer times, people are going to camps, people are are um, you know doing AAUs or club activities, but the the concept of international sports is it's unheard of. And so um, coming back as a champion, this was this was fantastic, and and you know coming to Europe for the first time and and, and competing, yeah, this was a wonderful experience for myself, but essentially didn't mean anything when I got back to school. It was only once I started wearing the USA gear and started telling them about my experience that it actually started uh, to get the attention. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just uh, athletics is very different in the US. Yeah, um, because junior athletes in the UK get get a chance to compete internationally. There's meetings in France and Germany. Correct. But also athletics, it, it's not the biggest of sports because there's football and other sports, but it's a very high profile sport and very athletes are very famous in, in the UK. Right. So we have those kind of role models. But at that at that youth championships, which is under 18, um, there's a lot of people who are massive champions then who are like 17 years old and are doing amazing things. Um, and at that championships, um, Delilah Mohammed was there. David Stoll was there. Um, Katarina Stefanidi, Ivana Spanovic, Sandra Perkovic, Karani James was 14 and competing. Um, so there's a lot of athletes who at who we do see that progression mm-hmm. from, from a young age. But there's also a lot of athletes who won there who I've never, ever heard of ever since. Um, so when you're that age and you come back with a gold medal, um, obviously that is a good incentive to continue. But like you said, in America, um, it's not a high profile sport. So does that kind of youth um, championships really give you the spur to continue in the sport? Or was there ever a thought of going to a different sport? Yeah, so I think it just it plants the seed. As you said, there are a lot of athletes that come through that system. There's a lot of athletes that succeed or, or maybe you never, ever hear about. Um, but the thing for me, it, it planted the seed of of maybe there could be something there. You know, there could be a promising career um, or or maybe just enough to get to the next level, which for us uh, in the U.S. would be the NCAA, the college system. Um, you know, and so that focus on the possibility of getting a scholarship, you know, having school paid for um, and to continue doing 
I can't say what I loved at the time because I, I didn't fall in love with, with it at that stage, but to continue doing what I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the camaraderie. I enjoyed, you know, running on relays with, with my friends and, and things mm-hmm. like this. So it was just the ability, it planted the seed that maybe I could do something further with this. But, you know, that story was, um, you know, I had a nice humility check the year after at, at World Juniors to follow. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that tale, I, I got to see both sides of that very quickly. Because you were a really good junior, um, but you weren't one of those kind of Alison Felix, Mondo Duplantis juniors who's at World Championships. <laughs> um, but one thing we talk a lot about on on this when we interview athletes is that transition from juniors to the seniors, mm. which trips up a, a lot of people. Um, people who've been amazing at a junior level have to step up and they find it really, really tough, especially ones who've had a lot of uh, pressure on them as juniors. But you're one of those athletes who made that transition seamlessly. I mean, it's like unbelievably because um, your first major outdoor championships is 2011. And in that year, you you um, improved nearly a meter, ended up as world champion, jumping 1796. So just tell us a little bit about that period and how you did that transition from a promising junior to like world champion within one year. Yeah, I really rate, I mean, athletes like Mondo, athletes like Allison, um, you know, it's to, to succeed at such a young age and then to continue that on, um, you know, to see what these two, Allison is is the GOAT, the, you know, the, the medals that she has and, and the way she's carried herself and the consistency. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And then Mondo to go and, you know, be a junior to a world record holder, mm-hmm. you know, he was European champion, he was, yeah, these, these, these people's careers speak for themselves, um, and, and whether it's short window or, or uh, you know, the longevity of Allison. But um, in, in, in my personal story, uh, I considered myself almost a late bloomer. You know, I, I had a nice spike at, at 17 and then was humbled at 18 um, and then had to actually go through the realm of, of the NCAA system, which I did have success um, from the very beginning, yeah. you know. 1699 you know my first year um you know just short of 17 meters and then as you said three years later um becoming a world champion and improving by a meter um so i think this is quite almost unheard of you know to, to have such a, a a large jump um you know in, in such a short window but it, for me it all came down to the mentality you know and it, you can have the argument of nature versus nurture and and um, you know, even the influences you have are, are around you, but at the end of the day, it's, it's for the athlete of, of who's willing to, to make that step, um, at 17, at 18, if I was even granted the opportunity to compete with the seniors, there's no, I did not feel that I was ready. I did not feel that I could be amongst those that I would watch at this time on VHS. This was before YouTube. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was still watching how to triple jump tips from well-known coaches or, or how to long jump, how to become faster. I was running with the, the parachutes and, and, and the, you know, the ankle weights at, at 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, so I was, I was really in these stages really still trying to learn the craft. So, you know, again, to, to really show my respect for those juniors that, you know, jump to the senior level, that, that's amazing to have this mindset and, and to be willing to take on that challenge because I was not there. It was not until I was 21. It was not until I got to Crystal Palace that that I believed, you know what, I, I belong here. Um, you know, and that mm-hmm. was the moment where Philip Sadou became, you know, was once an idol to then actually, no, we, we're competitors. We were at the World Championships in, in Korea when you won. We weren't very happy with you. Um, if I'm honest, um, <laughs> Phillips at that point had won the um, he'd won the world, he'd won the the Commonwealth, he'd won the um, Europeans, he had a, a Olympic silver, world indoors, European indoors. He had the um, the Olympics was coming up, and we were like, at last he's going to do it because he had the Olympic silver. You come out of nowhere and beat Phillips, and we were like, who's this? How dare he? You know, who's he? But I have to say, over the years, we've kind of come around to you. You're, you're all right now. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I tell you, I was also a very big fan of him. You know, I spoke to my dad about dyeing my hair and, and doing, you know, um, the tongue ring was, you know, I was like, do I even go that far? Like, I, I admired him. I, you know, I'm still, to be honest, I, I'm such a fan. He, he was really a joy to watch, um, you know, but I, like I said, it was that moment in Crystal Palace that, that really struck with me. I, I belong here. I can compete with the best. Um, so I, 
but I, you know, I humbly also got his autograph on my bib after, you know, and so, you know, I'm sure he wasn't maybe at the time too pleased with the situation, but yeah, yeah. I, Can I, I say also, that. I think there's that mentality that Americans have coming out of the NCAA, you have such tough competition there that often I think that puts people in really good stead when they get to the world um, stage. They're used to that kind of competing day in, day out. They're used to that, that, that tough competition, which doesn't really translate around the rest of the world, which I think is why we see so many Americans coming out and going straight into like, the top echelon from the junior ranks, whereas from other countries in Europe, etc., it's a bit of a tougher jump from, from one to the other. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic point. I mean, and, and I was training in Loughborough for years, so I saw it firsthand. You know, this is what collegiate athletics looks like. Yeah. So I, I was blown away. I, I thought, yeah, how, how do you even get to the top level? I couldn't imagine being in this atmosphere and, and having uh, no disrespect with Loughborough International, yeah. <laughs> thinking this is compared to, to a, a SEC championship or something like this, you know? Um, I, it, it's not, it's not, it's not comparable. And so I think you hit it right on the head. You know, we have the competitions, we have the, the level of competition, you know, year after year we're, 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 uh, to run nine seconds is, is normal. You were talking about how you used to admire Phillips. We have a question from Ian Sharp, who's Ian TNF yeah, on yeah. Twitter. Um, and he was saying that who were your role models, like historically? Was it Willie Banks, Victor Saniev? What athletes did you look up to, especially in the triple jump? Because it is a bit of a random event to take up at a young age. Yeah. Um, so if you even look at um, the way I, I, my demeanor, yeah. So um, Jadel Gregoria, you know, he was really someone who yelled and, and commanded almost the attention, but the respect of his competitors. He would always yell at the beginning. And for me, this really grasped this lion mentality. Yeah, so I I strive to do the same. Um, Willie, of course, Willie Banks, yeah. the clap. Yeah, this this guy paved the way for that. <laughs> so that was a no-brainer. You know, I always have to give Willie a shout-out for this because this changed the entire game. Um, Phillips by, again, the coolness. Yeah, so you never saw the stress on his face. And this is one thing I always – it all, he always seemed, no matter what you jump, I'm ready. You know, um, and, and – uh, I, I really, really rated that. Mike Conley and Christian Olsen, both being double arm jumpers. Um, you know, I, I really like how those styles I, I could really connect with um, because I tried the single arm and, and this wasn't for me. Nelson Abora does this very nicely, but it's not my style. Yeah, I really like power. I really like aggression. Um, and, and so I, I think these all contributed to my triple jump, but then I could also speak to you know, Dwight Phillips. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, and so hometown, um, you know, for, for us, hometown, le hometown legend, you know, like I always thought you got to sprint, you got to be fast to jump far. And he, he showed that he, he had the 100 meter speed and, and brought that there. Um, you know, it, I, I've had so many great people to look up to either near or far. And, and this is who I've tried to, yeah, resemble or, or um, you know, demonstrate in my career. We do love an athlete who knows their history. That's one of me and Jody's like one of our pet yes. like, hates is when you ask an athlete who your heroes or something and they say a footballer <laughs> or they don't actually know anything. A lot of athletes don't know anything about the sport outside of what they it's, specifically yeah, do. Yeah. They don't even necessarily know the names of their competitors. Right. They'll say like, oh, the Russian girl or mm. something. And you're like, so anyone who comes on here and can reel off all those names to us, that, that's, that's music to our ears. I, again, it's it's about if you love it, you know, and I, mm. I love it. I, I watch my competitors more than I watch my own film. I, I My coach talked to me this week about going over Doha, going over the Doha jumps and stuff. And to be honest, I've watched everyone else jumps except mine, you know, because if, if I watch mine, you look at it with a certain eye, you know, I, I remember what I was thinking. But you you also want to put yourself in the other shoes and see what you can learn from them. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to sponge and and. And see, I'm I'm looking for one percent, yeah. I'm I'm eight centimeters short of the world record. Obviously, if I continue doing what I'm doing, it's not going to change. So I have to find that little missing link to see if I can incorporate this, whether it's training, whether it's mentality, whether it's jump start, whatever it is, that could be the, the difference. So from 2011, you're now the world champion. You're the number one in the world. You've jumped 1796, and then it's off the Olympics, mm -hmm. which again you win. So you're now 22, just 22 years old, and you're the world champion and the Olympic champion. In that, like, when you start out at athletics, those are the things that people dream of. 
and you've achieved it all and it seems like a really easy thing for you so going into like when you started your career these were your aims presumably and you've done them all at the age of 21 so what do you what's your motivation after that the same it is now right um it's 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 the world's record i i strive to be the, the best ever um and that that was the thing that drove me from the very beginning uh, my my parents said anything i do strive to be the best and yeah it's it's i'm so grateful for the accolades i'm so grateful for the journey but at the end of the day i i really stand beside the the comment who remembers number 2 who is going to remember who the next man was and and this is what drives me to this point that's interesting you asked that obviously we've had lots of questions from um fans on twitter etc lots of people asking about the world record which i wasn't going to bring up till later but as you you've actually brought it up twice in your last two answers so <laughs> let, let's sort of go to it now so first of all um tobias thorwood on on um, instagram asked us how important is it for you to get the world record i think you've um, answered that and um w- will you not quit the sport until you do and when you do is that the ultimate will you then sort of lead the sport do you think yeah, so I, I think there's two ways for me to think about this. Um, I cannot say, will I not leave the sport if I don't get it? Because in my head, I I don't see me not getting it. Yeah, so um, <laughs> this is what is driving me. I don't think anybody, you know, in, in any field of life, you don't set a goal that is not attainable. It, that does not make sense. You know, why would you work every day? Why would you sacrifice? Why would you dedicate yourself to something that you ultimately do not believe you can achieve? Um, I don't know when I can get it, but at 21 years old, at to jump 1796, I thought in the next few months I can get it. Yeah, <laughs> at 29 years old, I thought oh, I've jumped 18 meters four times. I I know the feeling. I, I need the, the the perfect wind. I need the right foot point. There's so many things I said, but at the end of the day, it just has to align. And and now instead of chasing, instead of working, instead of it's just being ready doing all the preparation I can from my side to put myself in the best position to be ready for that moment. So if, say, the Olympics next year, say you win the Olympics with a world record, would you then think, like, oh, my job is done? <laughs> wow. Hey, I, I love that. If that's prophecy or you speaking that into existence, I, I receive that. Um, but... If you know, no, no. So the next thing is, is world championship. We have world championship. I was just gonna. Team. It's it's yeah, home, isn't so it? Yeah, it's home. Like it's the first opportunity I can I can show my friends, my family. Like yeah. So I would. This would be the great sound out. I'm not saying that I wouldn't commit to it. Like it's a world championship. At the end of the day, I still want to get another. But if the stars align in in Tokyo 2021, I'm gonna be floating for that year. You know. So yeah. <laughs> We have another question on, on that um, on that same issue. This is from I Triple Jump um, Co UK from Twitter. It says, "What would more mean more to you if you could achieve breaking the world record of eighteen twenty nine, or equaling or bettering the three gold and one silver Olympic medals from Viktor Sanyev? So, would you want Jonathan's world record or Viktor Sanyev's medals? That's the question. Yeah. So, I, I think this is great. Um, unfortunately, because I have the the uh, okay, I don't want to say unfortunately, but my perspective is different because I have the the two Olympic golds. Yeah, so if you would ask me this in 2011, it, it maybe have been a juggle. Now my eyes, my heart is set on the world record. The world record is you are the best person to have ever done this. Yeah, and so that is what I can go out. I'm not. I, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not devaluing a, an Olympic medal, a world championship medal. But at the end of the day, you were the best on that day. You and your coach and your team prepared you to be ready on that moment. And and you you executed everything properly to be the victor on that day. But the world record is, yeah, it is. It's, it's a record. And at the end of the day, it will be broken at, at one point. But until that point, you were the best to ever do it. And, and this, is, this is what pushes me. Jack Perryman um, on Twitter asks... With the triple jump, it's an event where there seems to be guys jumping well into their 30s um, and winning medals. How long do you think you'll keep jumping for? Um, obviously, Fabrizio Donato jumped 17.32 last year at the age of 42. So are we still going to see you around at 42? <laughs> it's not just him, because there's also Nathan Douglas is still jumping, Mariana Prayer is still jumping, Nelson Avora is still jumping and getting world records. So there's, there's lots of them at the moment. You, you've got quite a way to go, Christian. So I... <laughs> I, I, I I want to be very respectful for this answer, yeah. But 
the reality is being able to do something and be able to do something at the level that I wish to is, is very different. Yeah. I, I don't, I always, I watched boxing growing up. Yeah. And Evander Holyfield is, is, was, and, you know, living in Atlanta at the same time. And, and I remember seeing Evander at the top when he was fighting for gold, he was really the heavyweight champion. And then I remember the difficult fights where I'd watch and hear, yeah, he's just collecting a check. The reality is that is that is not what I want people to say about me. And this is not to be disrespectful in any way, but I love what I do. And because I'm so invested in it emotionally, physically, mentally, I want to go out on top. And that doesn't always mean winning, but that always that means like I want to have peace with I gave my career the best and I'm going to go out knowing, yes, I can physically continue to jump, but I've done everything I physically could. Yeah. And so that isn't chasing every check. That isn't going after every meet. It, when it gets to the point where I don't love waking up to, to go to training, when it gets to the point where I don't, I don't have that adrenaline, when I cannot sleep the night before. And, and when you lose that edge and you're just saying, I'm happy to be in the final, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy. No, that's, that's not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I, I went to Doha. I'm pleased to have won. I'm pleased to defend the title. I'm pleased don't be mistaken. I was disappointed in myself because I thought I prepared, my coach and I have prepared to break that world record. And that is why I can always put that into a conversation. That's why I can always find a way to, to, to place that because it's, it's really on my heart. That is what I'm chasing. Once that is over, then I can get to the point, do I dabble in the 400? But I'm not trying to be a Kim Collins. Yeah. I'm not trying to go to 50 years old. Yeah. I, I rate that they have that longevity and that they enjoy doing and, and make money. It's props to you, but that's not my journey. As we now know, your, your ultimate goal is to break the world record. And um, we've had a couple of questions that are quite similar. One from um, Paul, Hunt, Paul Hunt, 1978. And another from um, Amanda, um, Manjay666, who I think um, is your, your biggest fan. Um, <laughs> so, so, Paul says, um, if all the stars aligned and you had the perfect jump, how far do you think you could go? And Amanda, on a very similar one, says nine centimetres is obviously the difference between your current PB and claiming the world record. Given the right competition and comp- competition and conditions, uh, what do you think you are capable of achieving? So breaking the world record is one thing. That's um, 1829. How far do you honestly think you can go? Or would, would 1830 be fine with you? No, no, no. So if the stars align, uh, physically, I've, I've always set my sights on 1850. Um, and to be <laughs> honest, it's because... Jonathan Edwards has has done, I believe, eighteen forty six in in Australia. Indeed, yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I I again with with the studying, eighteen thirty would be great. Yeah. I don't want to tie eighteen twenty nine, but the reality, all conditions, um, wh- whatever. I want to be the best ever. So even if I jump eighteen thirty, I know that Jonathan has actually surpassed this mark. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is Very windy, this but... is what yeah it's windy yeah for, for sure um you know it and maybe it, it, of course it does not count but for me this is what i've strived because i've studied it i've seen it i you know and so and i thought well i i believe i can do it i have the ability to do it so 1850 would be the mark but 1830 is what i need i know you've got a lot of confidence in it anyway but jonathan didn't break the world record till he was 29 and all of his his olympic medals his uh, world championships medals he won one before, but all came after the age of 29. So Christian, you're just starting. Right. You're just starting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I'm, I'm very pleased with the first half of my career. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I also know, yeah, I, I think the, the Olympics channel has done an incredible job showing actually his struggle. Yeah. To, to see him just making 17 meters and, and to see the difficulties had and, and the injuries. I, I think this is such a, a, a great picture of, of the realities of sport, you know, and, and, and I really applaud these channels that are showing those not making it to the final, to those becoming a finalist, to those ending up with a medal or winning. You know, I, I think that's, that's, it's a true testament of, of human character, but also um, what it takes to get to the top. Um, though Jonathan was 29, I, I'm going to miss to be able to, to do that this year. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if, my career starts at 30 and, and that's the, the special number. 30 is the new 20, right? So that's how I'm going to think about it. <laughs> that, that's what we tell ourselves. So, 
just, just going back to your career, because we just spoke about how incredibly successful you were at, a, at an early age. But every athlete has to have those points in their career that aren't as successful. And I think for you, 2013 was was the year when things didn't um, didn't go right. You came fourth at the World Championships. But there's a special, there's a specific reason um, uh, that you didn't do so well in 2013, which is you had an injury to your leg. And this is something that I just can't get my head around. You changed your takeoff leg. I know other athletes have done it. Jess Ennis did it. I think Denise Lewis did it. But I don't know anybody who's a specialist in one event, and especially the triple jump. I'm just trying to imagine triple jumping. (laughs) You can long jump further than I could triple jump. But I'm just trying to imagine taking off (laughs) off of my, it would be my, if I took off my right leg, I don't think I'd go in a straight line. I probably would fall over. So is that natural to you? Is it something you just have to do a lot of practice? Does your brain change? How do you change legs? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's, and this is what I'm trying to speak a lot on. It's the mentality, you know? Mm. I I had to get to the point where my back was essentially against the wall. Yeah, I, I, I went to Moscow because I was world Olympic champion. The reality was I knew I had limited time left with the tendonitis, with the issues that I had that, maybe in my career. Um, but at 23, you don't want to think that's it. I didn't want to be some supernova that made it to the top, blew up, you know, like, and that was it. Just some epic. He came, he, he, he conquered it and he left. You know, I, I thought, no, there's got to be more to, to, to my life. There's got to be more to my career. Um, Moscow was an unfortunate event, but also very necessary. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that setback, I would not have, have been set up for the rest of my career. You know, and and though it hurts to reflect on and though it hurts to to think of actually how how much I struggled mentally and physically, um, you know, this was the thing that lit a new fire. So it wasn't it rekindled a fire, but it lit something completely new. And the challenge of learning how to jump again, the challenge of feeling because it is body positioning, it is weight distribution, it is timing, it is you you do it's it, i mean if if you have to now write with your your opposite hand you would think yeah this is going to look like a kid did it yeah this is essentially every like people did not see when i was jumping and training and not making it to the sand pit you you think <laughs> someone that is 4 centimeters away from jumping 18 meters is now not making it to the sand pit that does not make sense but at the end of the day yeah i was okay with failure i was okay with rewriting how how i moved how i thought how i approached everything and to be honest, you have to be okay with failure. You have to be okay with that there will be a lot of losses before the wins. And and if you look at my record, maybe I have ultimately lost more than I have, have won. But the victories are the standout moments. Yeah. And so this is what I hold on to because not everyone sees that journey. But once you're at the top, it's, well, you know what he fought through. And now I have an opportunity to share that perseverance with with the younger generation it may not you may not be able to see the finish you may not be able to reach it like right now but like stay stay with it if you love it you're going to find a way and and that's what i did so you said like obviously it was disappointing to lose in in 2013 and you didn't jump to your best but the people who beat you that year which is teddy camgo pedro pablo pichardo and will clay these are some of the best in the world ever i think you four are in the top six of the world ever so mm-hmm. what, like having that level of competitor, because some people are by far the best in the world because they don't have the competition. Some people are just by far the best in the world. You've had some really, really, really tough competition. And yet you've still managed to come out on top because you changed legs. And since then, you've won the world championships in 15. You've won the Olympics in 16. You've won the world championships in 17. You've won the world championships in, in, in 19. And you're also seven times Diamond League champion. So how do you manage that to be, it's, it's not just physical. Yeah, so I, of course, the, I mean, to speak on directly on, on Moscow, it, it was very difficult to lose this one, but it's even more frustrating when you know, deep down inside, you can, Teddy went 18 meters. Yeah. How beautiful would it have been if multiple people went 18 meters in this competition? This is what, this is what I've been asking all my competitors to do, and I fell short of, of producing it when, when it needed to be you know i said hey guys let's put on a show let's make history uh, it, it wasn't until 2015 that two people you know were able to jump 18 in the same competition i i should have stepped up and been able to do it in 2013 when teddy did it to be able to respond to him so 
you know, there's so many pieces in, in this, actually a lot of weight I put on myself, you know, as a competitor, as an entertainer, as a, you know, like I want to not only succeed as a triple jumper, but as, as for our event, as a showman, I want to produce the best show uh, possible for the, for the crowd. Um, you know, and, and to, to go on to the second part of this, um, to see the success that followed after that, 2013 showed me that success, nothing was going to be given to me. No one was going to bow down because I was two-time gold medalist in the, the previous two years. It, it was irrelevant. We're in a new country, a new venue, a new, a, a new year. I had to earn that. I was not defending a title. I, I had to earn that title. And I took that mentality and, and, and took this whole saying of, well, you're two-time defending champ. You are defending. No, I'm not defending anything. I have to earn this one. I have to win this one the same way I had to, to, to win the one previously. And this is what now changed my entire approach to championship. So whether world championship, diamond league championship, I've, I've got seven, but every time I'm in Brussels or Zurich, I think this is the one, like this is the one. This is the one that I, I want to have to put a stamp on that year. And I think this is what helps me in that fifth and sixth jump. This is what helps me, um, you know, ultimately win at the end. I've been wondering how much of a part Will Clay has played in that. Because without Rafa, we wouldn't have Roger at the peak of his mm. powers. Without Yanis, LeBron wouldn't be playing so well this season. Mm. You were Gators together and he has pushed you throughout your career. How much of a part of your success do you think Will Clay has been? Yeah, uh, so Will Will has been very important, but it's it's very hard for me to say that one is greater than the other. Yeah, so I cannot say like Triple P, like uh, Pichardo, uh, Pedro Pichardo. Like I cannot say he has been less of a push than than Will. That Teddy has been less than a push than Will. That Nelson, that Phillips. So I respect everyone in the final. I have always respected and thought it could be your mm-hmm. day. What is gonna what is gonna separate us? And so that is that is the that puts me in a different mindset. This, and you see in my eyes, when I, when I compete, I get to a different place. Cause I think any, this, today could be any of their moments. Mm. They could have that Daegu moment, that, that steal. And I don't want to be caught off guard. So I'm, I'm just continually ready for those, for those athletes. But it's not a little bit spicier because you and Will have competed against one another for so long and your compatriots. For sure. For sure. I, I, I think there's a different feeling with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just don't want to, discredit the work that, that the other competitors are doing. Yeah. So Will and I have a, a friendship and, and, and a brotherhood and we've been teammates and, and, and rivals and uh, uh, we've come through the ranks together. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, anyone in that final, it's game. It, it could be anyone's day. I just have to pray it's mine. I just want to talk a little bit about your competitors. And it's something that I noticed when I was doing my research with it. So your birthday is on the 18th of June, 1990, right? Will Clay's birthday is the 13th of June, 1991. PPP's birthday is the 30th of June 1993. Teddy Tamgo's birthday is the 15th of June 1989. And Zango, who got the bronze in, in Doha, his birthday is the 25th of June 1993. Mm. What are they putting in the water with June birth? Gemini spirit. I don't know. The stars are really, uh, we got triple jump presents heavy then. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's 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 wonderful. And you know, we do have a lot of birthday wishes during that time. But I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I was going to actually ask you this at the end, but like um, Claire brought Will Clay up. Um, do you ever feel bad for Will Clay? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I think um, I, I can honestly say I, I don't want to say I feel bad, but yeah, Will proposed to Queen in Rio, you know? And so I imagine, and, and I, I, this is really not to be a joke, but I imagine that when he was in the hotel room, he thought, Today is going to be my day. Yeah. I'm going to win Olympic gold and then I'm going to propose to my fiance <laughs> or, or, or to my girlfriend. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure he had a vision of how that day would play out. All the competitions, all this, I think we both gave it our all and, you know, we win some, we lose some. But that is a day I, I don't, I, I, I struggle with because I, I know if that was my plan, you know, like, <laughs> how that one would hurt. And so I, I, re- I really think about that one. And, and, and I'm so happy that it did work out. And, you know, I'm happy that I got married. And, and I, I think that's so cool. But that's one day I, I'm like, ah, that, that sucks that it didn't go as planned. <laughs> um, we're talking about your great championship records and, like, obviously your good temp- championship temperament. 
um, like Chris, Christina Horogu, who's like someone we talk about all the time about her best performance was always at the championships. Mm. And most years, your best performance has been at the championships. Yep. And I read something interesting from you um, regarding your mentality in a competition um, that during 2012, when you'd had, you'd had two no jumps and your coach, Raina Ryder, said to you, just relax, watch the 800. You don't want to be missing David Rudisha. Right. And mm. you take a love and enjoyment of the competition, whereas a lot of people get very worked up and they're very stressed. You, you take it all very calmly and you're watching David Rudisha set a world record and then obviously you go on and win the gold medal. So do you think enjoying the event is important? Yeah, I, I love track and field. I love athletics. Um, you know, and I don't want to take away from the interview and say this is what led me to the Athletics Association, you know, the, the love uh, for the sport, but maybe that could be a lead into. But um, similar to Christine, I, I think not panicking when the pressure is on. You know, a lot of time Christine mm. was in the hole. It's not that she was somebody that would go out and catch me if you can. You know, she would just say calm and collect and then this kick would come out of nowhere and you'd be like, where did this come from? You know, and, and I think that was that for when I when I used to watch her run, I used to think, man, because, of course, I'm a, I'm an aspiring 400 meter runner, you know. So I used to think, man, maybe I could do the same. Maybe I can pull something out the tank, um, you know, and, and like you said, with with London, you know, my coach said, hey, don't miss history. You, you would really regret you so focused and entangled and and it's just really onto yourself and you're missing actually history in the making. And this for a moment just took me away and was able to calm me down, help me relax. And I mean, who would say seven years later, I'm in Doha with two, two fouls again, you know, so I'm, I'm quite familiar now with this territory and I know, okay. And, 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 you know, whether it's just watching the crowd or, you know, just something to distract me from all that pressure that you, you put on yourself um, to, to maybe miss that moment. Christian, you are a pro because you've given us a great lead into two things that I want to talk about. Just to finish up talking about your career, I just wanted to ask you quickly about the 400 metres because it is a strange combination for someone to do the triple jump and the 400 metres. Jody, you say that, but have you seen the length of his legs? He's made <laughs> the 400. Look at him. <laughs> but also, look at this. You're in the 16th all-time best relay. You've run. You've been in a relay that ran 257.25. Right, right. So where does this combination... Because you did it back from... People, and regional championship long jump triple jump and 400 at the same meet so you've always been a 400 meter runner where's that come from i've not not known that combination before just just from early stages of track uh from from the time i was you know 2007 2006 when i was doing club track my coach just said either you run the 400 or the 800 and Ooh. everyone was like why you know and he <laughs> said because you cannot be scared of track and field you cannot be scared of pain you cannot be scared of lax you cannot oh, be I love and i thought well, 400 hurts enough. Why would I want to do that twice? But <laughs> breaking through that wall and, and really having no fear, I, I, you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, you, you know, when you were really crawling to get through something, you learn your toughness. You learn what you can fight through. You learn what you can work. And I took this mentality and went through, through, college, you know, through high school track, through college track. I said, I'm going to train with the 400 meters because Will Clay, I, I saw it firsthand. He was not. He was going with the short sprinters, the, the 60 meters, the 100 meters. And that's fine if that works for you. But I know if I need to pull it out, if I need to dig deep, well, I'm pushing myself every day deeper in the tank than I know my competitors are. And that's the competitive edge that I take. Smart. Very, very smart. You mentioned earlier that if you do break the world record, get another Olympic gold medal. Um, you said you may think about doing the 400 more? more um... Absolutely. World Relays was amazing. Mm. I mean, I, I got to, hey, I got to go to the Bahamas. I would have loved to go to, to Tokyo. But, I mean, World Relays is, is amazing in itself. But the, the feeling and the adrenaline you have with the baton and the pushing, and, and it's, it's really a complete – and to be honest, I never go in as a favorite. Yeah, so every time I ran 400, whether Diamond League or, you know, I was in Birmingham and, and I went nuts for 300 meters. I was in the car room. Nobody looked at me. Nobody felt I was a threat. And that, that, that means I have essentially no pressure on me. If I go to the triple jump, everyone, well, we expect you to do this. We expect, in a 400, they're like, I'm sure you're just happy to be here. So I, I have a bit more freedom with that. And, and, and yeah, it does hurt, but, you know, it, it, it's also a great feeling.
Well, Alan Johnson, the, the hurdler, he has a, I don't know if it's a world or Olympic gold medal in the, in the relay. They just dropped him in one day. Um, so in the future, we could see you gaining more gold medals at the world or Olympic level. Is that what you'd be looking to do? I always have my spikes. I always have my, I mean, Doha, Doha, uh, London. I always have runner spikes. Just in case, hey, like, I mean, Continental Cup. I did this, I think, two years ago. Um, you know, we were in Ostrava and, and uh, one of our 400 guys cramped. Um, you know, in, in the open event, and they said, well, we're a leg short. Who wants to run the mixed relay? <laughs> like, I'm always ready. I, I'm running the 250s and 300s, so I'm ready. I'm always ready to do it. You run 400, you run 400, like 400 is 400. It's always going to hurt. It doesn't matter how fit you are. So I'm ready. Put me on it. What would be quite helpful as well, Christian, would be if you were to turn to the 400 metres, you might actually get to appear at a Diamond League meet. And I think now is the perfect time to turn to look at your formation of the Athletics Association and hear about whether or not it was that that catalyzed your decision to found it or had forming some sort of union for other athletes been in the pipeline for a while for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, now that the triple jump has been taken out of the Diamond League, you know, the 400 could be an opportunity to get back in, um, you know, and, and say, I say this jokingly because yeah. essentially, like, and, and fundamentally, there should not be any exclusion of any discipline um, in, in athletics because yeah, we all make up the sport. You know, it, it, for me, this was just fundamentally, this was just so confusing because I thought how you would never have a sport without <laughs> You would not have football without a, a goalkeeper. You would not have uh, American football without a, a without a wide receiver. It's these are all essential elements of of the sport. But yet in athletics, we pick and choose. They surveys of fans in Zurich. <laughs> I can't even say research based decisions, but I, I say this to be politically correct. Yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to use their terminology, but um, it, it does not make sense. And and this led this was the catalyst that led to. Um, the formation and and the conversation um, that hopefully is is you know on, in the works of being formalized, but of the athletics association, you know, enough is really enough. Just just quickly, just it's a question from from Twitter from Lorraine O'Connor, uh, Lorraine O twenty four, and just on the same subject, and she says the athletics association was anything planned before the Diamond League changes, or was that the catalyst for for you doing it in the first place? So from actually. I would say the beginning of 2019 um, or maybe the end of 2018, there were proposals. So even from uh, 2015, there were suggestions that the triple jump might actually be out of the, the Rio Olympics. And of course, like Jonathan Edwards uh, spoke to me and said, hey, just so you know, like the history of, of the triple jump, um, we have been on the chopping block several times before <laughs> and yeah. with not just in track and fields or athletics, but um, in, in the sport realm as a whole, when the Olympic committee or the Olympic movement decides to add BMX, break dancing, I, you know, they try to add other sports. Break well, there sport. has to be a sacrifice. Yeah, not sports. <laughs> I, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible because you just never know what's next. Yeah. Um, but when, when an event uh, sport is added, Something has to be taken away. And so he said, I just want you to know, this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, Willie Banks said, hey, they wanted to get rid of triple jump from his era. The, the way they showed up is the field is, is a show. We, I started getting the clap. The crowd started getting involved. They started wreck. So this is not the first time we've been in this position. And this is why I believe, and, and as you guys have had said, the importance of knowing your history. The importance of knowing the battles that have been fought before you. The importance of knowing the people that have have attempted things have 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 basically essentially laid the path for you that you can enjoy what you're doing today um so i've had these conversations uh but going back to now 20 end of 2018 2019 there was this rumor discussion that the triple jump as uh, in addition to other events might be taking out of, of the diamond league program and i just thought this this does not make sense we the the conversations i was hearing was we need to find ways to grow the sport we need to find ways to be innovative we need to find ways of change but i this never sunk into me that to grow something you must cut something you know and and cut a part that makes makes up something so i i was i i found this very difficult to to comprehend and, and to, to take in and and so i just started speaking to 
as as you guys saw the the power team at the beginning and and saying guys i i don't want this to be a christian taylor effort but i want this to be the champions of the sport because people will really acknowledge but also accept and and from the outside actually see that if the people at the top were you know considered the top the medalists are not happy the champions are not happy well what could everyone else be thinking um you know i i did i i wanted to strategically put into place that it wasn't the people that weren't making it into the final or weren't making it into the diamond league or you know that were essentially complaining because i thought that would be the easy way out but the 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 attention and and respect would be given by those that most people would say are in the single rooms you know they don't have multiple roommates they're staying at the best hotels they're getting the appearance fees they're winning the diamond leagues but yet they're saying something's not right and i thought that like this group added to, to, to my voice would have just, I mean, just blown up. Because there's always this attempt to kind of pit track against field. People are interested in track, people aren't interested in field. People want to watch sprints, people don't want to watch distance races. As fans, we're, we say this every week, we're interested in watching any, everything. But also, if you create a narrative, all of these events are interesting. No one was particularly interested in the triple jump in the UK. And then Jonathan Edwards come along. Correct. And then everyone's an expert on the triple jump. Correct. So with better marketing, any of these events could be popular. And what annoyed us specifically about the, the picking and choosing of events was the arbitrary nature of it. Right. The triple jump is one of the events there is to watch at the moment. And yet that's out. Did they talk to you about anything or did was this as much of a surprise to you as it was to all of us? So I think you hit it really right on the head. Um, the narrative is, is it's, that's that's the essence of it. Yeah, you cannot like or dislike something you don't know about. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're not getting equal exposure, if you're not having the the equal opportunity of of the fans to be able to know, let alone the the other c- competitors. If I don't know what a good steeplechase time is, if I don't know what a, a good discus throw is, then how can I say if I like it or not? At least give me an opportunity to say, you know, if if this person jumps farther, this person throws further in the third attempt they move to the the first place and at least give me an understanding on how the event works but if you give me you know on on the tv well here's a presentation here are the highlights of third second first you have no idea that the the first person actually stole and was not even supposed to be in the meet um or is coming back from an injury there's you have no way of connecting and and then you say, well, it's less popular. Well, of course, if you don't have the same opportunity, if you are not sharing the essence of, of the sport, it, it doesn't make sense. And then the second part is the explanation of it. You know, it's it's very difficult when you don't know how wide of net was cast when it, when it came to getting input on the popularity of this. And I also personally find it very difficult to think that the 200 meters, yes. you know, like... And one of the core values we have in the Athletics Association is that we want to completely remove this hierarchy system. Yeah, that the 200 is greater than discus, that discus is greater than steeple. That steep, we want to eliminate every, it's the body. Yeah, every part is important and every part contributes to the entire effort. But I really find it hard to believe that when you have acts like Noah Lyles, when you have acts like Dina Asher Smith, Shawnee, People don't want to see this battle. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. And, and I'm not trying to single the 200 meter out, but I thought when the two, this worked out in our favor, when this was included, I thought we need to see this data. Yeah. That idea of parity amongst all the events and not having blue ribbon events and lesser ones that we could do with getting rid of amongst those in the Athletics Association. Has that been really unanimously greeted positively? Have you had any athletes going, oh, you know what, our event is safe. We're not willing to pull through for the others. Or has everyone just got completely on board and been enthusiastic? No, no, this for sure. But because you, at mm. the end of the day, it's a culture. Yeah. So it, it's not that this happens by accident. You have a governing body that is creating this culture. You have coaches that historically mm. have been in this culture. So these coaches will pass it down to their athletes. Um, it, if you see it on TV, the 100 meters is the, the, the fastest man or woman in the world. The the multi-event is the best athlete in the world. Th- there are staples that come with certain events. So we have to change the culture. We, ha- you know, we have to change the thinking before you're going to have everyone jump on board. There are 
I would say openly, there are a majority of athletes that understand and are willing to say, hey, it's not right. Let's make a change. And these are the people that have been at the forefront. Hundreds, thousands of athletes that have said, sign me up because we need to change the direction we're going in. And and I'm so grateful for this. But I, I cannot also look to, to you and say there haven't been athletes saying, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. And, and I, res- mm-hmm. I, I respect that. Yeah, because I, I essentially it's not your fault. That, 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 that's how I look at it. It's not your fault. You've come up in a world of this thinking and and whether it's just I, I can't say lack of education, but you're just not informed or you're not thinking in, in a progressive way. You know, that that has is essentially going to hold you back. And it, unfortunately, I, I hope to get in front of this and not to the point where they are, you know, in jeopardy and think, well, why us? One of the things we love the most about athletics is there is literally something for everybody. So if you're a five foot tall yep. woman, you're a seven foot tall man, whatever shape, what size that and seeing your group of like champions who are on the board or whatever of the athletics, it looks like the Avengers to me. Like mm-hmm. you're out there. Avengers assembled. Exactly what it was. Yeah. Avengers assembled. Yeah. And you've got someone to represent everybody and I work, we work in advertising when we're not doing this. And right. diversity is the only word that matters at the moment. So every advert wants to represent everybody. With right. social media, there's groups for people with different skin colors, hair colors, sizes, freckles, whatever. Yep. How, can, how can athletics use that strength of our sport, which is representing everybody, to market itself better? Yeah, it's progressive thinking. I mean, you've, you've hit it. You, this is now, it's 2020. We cannot continue working as we did in 1940s. You have to change. You have to evolve. Why are we not streaming meets? How are we in Doha, but yet sell the streaming rights to Saudi Saudi Arabia or or, or to a, a rival country where we cannot even – I cannot watch the championship in the hotel in Doha that is being hosted down the street. Do you see what I'm saying? And And so I'm having to use a VPN changer to watch BBC <laughs> – in the UK, so so, it's it's this really ancient thinking. We have to start thinking. This is the times we're in. Our sport that is that is a unique quality that no other sport can use. Mm. Every single person in the world can relate to athletics. Everybody. And and why are we not using that as a gym? But we're using this to hold us back. All shapes, sizes, colors, everyone can can relate to our sport. And and we're not using this. And 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 it's just the I can't say backwards thinking, but just behind thinking. Yeah. You you want to talk about innovation, you want to talk about growth. Why are we not making this accessible on more platforms? How come I why do we not have an app where the Diamond League has an app mm-hmm. and you can only find points? I don't want to see live results. <laughs> I want to see streaming. NFL has has live games on Twitter, but yet I I, I have to go to to Costas. I have to go to <laughs> Super Fans Statman John. I have to go yeah. to these to find maybe I, I can't say illegal links, but these That's these we're links doing. we're watching things on illegal channels through a Slovenian TV station to watch like quite high level meets. Like it's just not. It doesn't make any. So how 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 are we how are we growing our sport this way? How are we saying we want a, a greater fan base? We want to get more people in the seat, but you don't give them the opportunity to. to you don't. There's no exposure. Where you guys are hopefully going to be the first group to utilise that diversity, it seems you've already hit the nail on the head when it comes to recruitment. The numbers of people responding to your surveys and getting on board are just absolutely amazing. And it felt like you actually played a part in bringing forward the postponement of the Olympics, bringing forward that announcement. Have you been blown away by the speed with which you've built momentum and you've affected change? Yeah, so... um... I, I think you guys call it Dragon's Den, yeah. So uh, we have Shark, we have Shark Tank, yeah. And and I watch this. I'm you know I I try to be business thinking and think, but there's also the curse of growing too quickly. And with this response, I I honestly I I can really admit I signed up for the basic survey package, one thousand responses. I thought this would be, come on, yeah, ten times what we got. No, the reality, I'm being very, very, I thought, who, who is really going to 
buy-in. Of course, track and field athletes, when, when the Diamond League issue was hot and stuff, and in five hours, the survey the survey site was saying, you need to upgrade to the next thing. <laughs> and I thought, but I put it out at midnight US time. So I thought this could only be those in Australia, New Zealand, you know, on, on the other hemisphere. And I already got a thousand for that. So I thought, this is really, there's something, you know? And then, of course, with this in the survey, we had, a, like, we, we were trying to create a database of, you know, our communication lines once we were established. Um, and so this was invaluable because, of course, this was an opportunity that athletes can speak up, that their voice can be heard, that, that you know, it, one thing that really pulls people together, unfortunately, is pain. You know, it is uncertainty. It, it's forced us to be in moments like this, you know, that everyone's learning how to use technology and, and, and work, um, you know, with these situations. But we also had to be very careful that we don't grow too quickly and, and blow up. Yeah. So it's not interest, 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 but no foundation. So we took this and we said, okay, now <laughs> Avengers, you know, reassemble mm -hmm. and what's the next plan? Yeah. So w what is ultimately our goal? And we cannot, we cannot lose that. We must remain an unbiased, unfiltered reflection of the athlete's voice. What is the structure of the athletes organization? Can anyone join? Is it only international athletes? Do you pay a joining fee? Like, what is it? So essentially, the because the, we're not a union. There's no employee-employer. Yeah, so I want to make that very clear. Um, but conceptually, <laughs> yeah, we we are basing everything union style. So we 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 are striving to have a membership fee because um, this will speak to several um, things. But um, whether large or small, it doesn't matter. The, the idea that someone is willing to buy into something um, because they believe in it. Yeah, I, this will set a message in itself. But again, with with the thing having the benefits, having the lawyer representation, we've we've uh, well, okay. I don't. It's not public. So yeah, we've we've partnered with a, a law firm to, to have a legal representation. So, so the athletes are no longer feeling like they're fighting on their own. Um, and in times like this, we, our, our goal is to have a relief program. Yeah. You put in and in a time of uncertainty like this as a union, again, regardless, big or small, it's help. And, and this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to structure an association and, union form but um but but basically you buy into something you you're not fighting alone you have a voice an unfiltered voice and you have somebody that's fighting for you as as a union would fight for an employee's rights um but then essentially be put in a position that you can have influence that we are not just saying we don't like this and it's coffee talk or water water cooler talk however you want to think about it we don't like this we're complaining all right it continues no it's we're not happy with this Let's propose maybe this and see where we can go from there. Because there's a lot of people that want to throw rocks, but it's, well, mm. are you willing to sit at the table and say, hey, Seb, hey, John, um, from the athlete's perspective, this doesn't look like it's going to be the right way of thinking, but we believe we could try something like this. What do you think? And so putting us at the table to not just be a voice of noise, but of influence. It's funny you should use the word influence because that's exactly what my next question was. Um, Dr. Dan O'Connor on Twitter, he asked, how do he and the other leaders, that's yourself and the other leaders, plan to gain influence without sacrificing your independence? I thought that was a really, really interesting question. Oh, independence is key. Like, yeah, we will be independent. We will always be independent. Um, doesn't mean we won't partner with others, but um, <laughs> we, we will be independent. Uh, I, I cannot reveal ultimately our strategy of, of gaining this. Um, but the thing is, we want to be very clear that we are trying to work with governing body. We are trying to work with the audience. We are trying to work. So uh, unfortunately, the picture always become, becomes, if you want change, you must go against what's existing. That, that's, that's not my nature. And, and you know, we have the opportunity to set the culture of hopefully something that's lasting. And the, the thing is, we're not trying to work against what athletics. We're just trying to say, let's change the thinking. Let's change the culture. Let's change the direction we're going in. If it's the TV partners that we're working with, because contracts, contracts and, and deals, and, and there's a lot of things that are on the line at this moment. Yeah. And so how can we change the structure of the way we work? Implementing the athlete's perspective, implementing it's it's better to have 
thousands of, of individuals with different backgrounds, different educations, different uh, contributing to one goal, then if it's 200 of the council or 18 of the athletes commission or, or however, whatever number you want to use, there's, there's power and strength and, and diversity in, 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 in a multiple of people working towards something than those that might be thinking from, from the past and not moving us into the right direction. I think collaborative independence will get you a very long way. And it's clear already that the Athletics Association has got real yep. legs as an organisation. But there's also a lot of change that can be managed from within big organisations. And you're clearly <laughs> a very articulate, very driven, very passionate person. I think you'd be a great president of World <laughs> Athletics one day. <laughs> Do you have ambitions? Wow. And I've written on my notes, President Christian. There we go. I just wonder, Christian, if you want to have a go at making this sport better from inside it as well as from the outside. Do you think one day you might want to move into sporting politics? Uh, sporting <laughs> politics, yes. Yes, I, mm -hmm. I just graduated for, for with sports management degree. I love, I, to be honest, I love sports, but I love athletics. I'm just going to be very honest. Nothing against the other sports, but I love athletics. I love the beauty. Mm -hmm. I, I see it as, as art. I love the beauty of the different people i i think that's so unique and and no i i really do not want to be the president if again this is a calling and and if the if it is meant to be then it's <laughs> who am i to say no yeah but that is not what i'm heading towards right now my my, my goal is to to help lead the direction of the association and and hopefully this this does actually have some influence with with what we're trying to do at, as a sport as a whole. But I, I think we're gonna have to start it. We're, we're gonna have to start a Twitter poll, and then like oh. you're gonna wake up in the morning and find out that you are in fact the um the, <laughs> the new head of world athletics. So. Monaco is beautiful. I love I love any reason to go there, but um, out of respect for Steb, that, that is not an easy job. So you've got a world record yeah. to get first. Exactly. So exactly. Like there we go. One thing at a time. Is there any part of you that's concerned at all about balancing these two roles that you now have, the athlete and the advocate for athletics? Being a triple jumper is a full-time job and suddenly this thing has grown so much that it might impact that. Absolutely. I, I know this, I, I, again, I always have to really just put that, disclo like, that, that disclosure out that like, this is not to be offensive in any way, but it was a blessing that this virus came <laughs> because it gave me added time and, and the team at a time to set up the association doing this alongside of full-time training alongside, you know, I do mentoring. Um, th there's so many things that we all do in our life. And, and this was at a time to formalize. This was at a time to set up the membership. This is at a, like, so we've now gotten grace to be able to put things in place. So come next year, it's Olympic year. I I and, and, and the, the team can go back to being mm. full-time athletes. We also have a lot of time at the moment, us fans. I made pasta from scratch the other day. I've got <laughs> lots of time to be throwing weight behind a cause like this. And it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I know that Jodie Bayo and all of our listeners are. What can we as fans be doing to support your work? Speak and share. Um, that's the thing, because as we want to work with the governing body, and I'm not saying the governing body has not recognized this, but the athletes recognize we only survive if the fans are behind us mm. and, and this is a, a bridge, uh, Willie Banks. I keep coming back to Willie Banks. Like he bridged that gap between athlete and, and audience getting the clap is we're not jumping for ourselves. We're jumping for you and you guys are jumping for us. So when I, when I jump, well, I, I don't, if I did this in an empty stadium, it means nothing. Yeah. Congrats. You jump 18 meters. But the <laughs> fact that you jump 18 meters and then, you can look into the crowd and see in someone's eyes, wow, I actually contributed to this. I actually helped him do this. This is what we're looking for. So we, we want to, we, we, we're going to have polls. We, we, we want to have input from the audience because you guys are, are essentially the shareholders. You guys make us go around. We're getting sponsored, not just for our performance, but as entertainers. And, and that's the reality of it. So if, if you don't look at all these parts, you know, we, we lose what we're doing it for. So just um, just to sort of wrap up, we're obviously in a very strange 
time at the moment. You know, the Olympics has been postponed. There's no athletics for the foreseeable future. Um, we did have a question here from, again, we had to give her another question, your, your biggest fan, Amanda. Amanda. Um, <laughs> she, she said, um, how do you mentally prepare um, and in, adjust to the, to the delay of the Olympics for another 12 months and the uncertainty of when you'll next be able to compete? Yeah, so uh, as of now, I'm still doing what I can. Of course, I'm not, I have not jumped for over seven weeks now. Um, can I get access to a sand pit? So, I mean, even in Florida, our, our uh, beaches have been closed, so I literally cannot get to sand. <laughs> Finally. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so I'm still staying as fit as possible in hopes of a season in the late fall. So yeah. I, I believe Seb actually announced, uh, or President, President Coe, sorry, um, <laughs> has announced that, um, you know, he's, he's hopeful for a season to be in August through October. And, and this is my mind frame. They've announced that there will be national championships this year. So my, my mind is still set on doing what I can to be ready at that moment. It looks different, but you have to adjust with it as everyone does. Um, when it comes to the Olympic Games and, and the new date, I, I take the pressure off my shoulders and, and, and actually put it on my coach. This is Rainer Ryder's job. This is what he gets paid for. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I've trusted him to have me ready at every championship. And we, we've, you know, we've executed. And the same, it's no different. It's changed for all of us. But, you know, you're paid to do a job. And, and I have full faith that he will put things together. So that, you know, come next year, I'll, I'll be ready to go. Christian Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on the Backstroke Boys. You are a pleasure to interview. Um, and everything you've said, we, we, we couldn't agree more. And I think from a fan's point of view, having yourself start in the Athletes Association, there couldn't be a better person to do it. Um, mm. So we're really excited, not just to see you hopefully compete at the end of the year, get the world record, get more Olympic and world championship medals, but also for what you're, else you're going to contribute to the sport in the, in the years coming forward. Thank you. Can I just say from us, from me and Jodie and Claire, and also from the dozens of other fans that we know, we are fully on board with you. And if there's anything at all that we can do to help, we are, you know, yeah. it, you only have to ask, seriously, because we, we are so excited that finally someone is doing something like this. So you have our full support. Thank you so much. I, I really want to take the time and say this was actually, I, I know this sounds weird, but not the most fun, but actually genuine fun that I've had um, on any of these live calls. I, it, it was really an amazing experience and you guys are, are just very genuine. Uh, speak from the heart, the, you know, the, the, getting the, the fans involved, but it, it was just fun. The vibes were good. And so I thank you guys. Um, happy to see you all safe, but I, I thank you guys for this. <laughs> <laughs>